Welcome to... Hey. Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we offer our final preview of the 2023 Australian Open, breaking down the men's singles draw from just about every angle, of course, much like we did in our breakdown of the women's singles draw. What we plan to do here on today's show is make up for some lost time. We never had the opportunity to post our typical episodes about the Dark Horses, about the Americans. As such, we're going to look at those things in particular as we look at the draw. Of course, we'll also look at the most entertaining first round of matches. We'll offer our predictions for how we see everything shaking out as well. And if we're going to try to accomplish so much here on today's show, you know I love to have some help along the way joining me on today's show for the first time in far too long is one of the ogs here at crack rackets a contributor behind the scenes to just about everything we do here at cr of course now the head coach of the men's and women's tennis teams over at rockhurst my dear friend james foster mcdonald jamie hey great shot welcome back to the show happy new year to you how are you doing my friend Thank you, and great shot to you as well. It's uh, it's been busy, man. Been uh, been hitting the ground running. Uh, excited to get spring season started, and uh, it's just there's a lot going on. But uh, right now we're talking Australian Open. I couldn't be more pumped. So let's get into it. Well, I need my two minute update, and I don't know, right, right. but I know the listeners need it as well. Give us the rundown. How's Rockers looking this year? We're looking good. Uh, you know, me being sort of the parent here, I get to find out how uh, how well everybody's been training over break and everything pretty soon. So we'll start shortly, but uh, I've got faith in them. It's a young crew, motivated crew. Um, you know, I've got some strong returners on both sides and looking to make deep runs. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, once it comes to the business end in April and May, that's when we'll uh, we'll really start to shine. So I'm pumped. That is terrifying to me to hear you are the parent of the crew, but I had the chance to see you guys compete in a fall event and. Yeah, I mean, you were full on in head coach mode. It was a delight to see, and I look forward to watching Rockers compete throughout the course of 2023. But of course, before we get to the Rockers season, we will have the start of the year's first major, the 2023 Australian Open, now about 24 hours away as of this recording. With that in mind, again, one last thing for us to do here at Crack Rackets. That's break down the men's singles draw as we always do. We're going to run through all four quarters of the draw. We'll start at the top with the Rafael Nadal section. And of course, Rafa, the number one seed here at this Australian Open, given the fact that world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, was forced to pull out with an injury. Of course, for what it's worth, Rafa is the defending champion here in Australia. And my favorite Rafael Nadal stat, Jamie, because I was looking this up just to see what his track record of success in Australia is. Obviously, he goes ahead and wins the event last season. But you look for Rafa, who's 76-15 and 15 overall in his career in Australia. Just another ridiculous mark for him. Since making his first quarterfinal in Australia in 2007, so 15 Australian Opens between now and then, he has made the Australian Open quarterfinals, excuse me, 16 Australian Opens. He's made the quarterfinals in 14 of the last 16 years. Like, I can't remember all 14 quarterfinals, 
But Rafa is typically a staple of the second week at the year's opening slam. And obviously you feel like when he has time to recover as the offseason often affords him so frequently, we've seen him over the years take much of the second half or final third of the year off to rest up. And then he comes out of the gates always swinging in Australia. It's always worth keeping that in the back of your mind, given the fact that Rafa did not look great at United Cup. He loses matches to Cam Norrie, to Alex Diemenauer. And so certainly, again, does he come in in the best form? No, but 14 of the last 16 years have seen Rafael Nadal in the quarterfinals, folks. That said, you look at the seeds in this section, Rafa the 1, Medvedev the 7, Furkats 10, Tiafo 16, Hachinov coming off of a U.S. Open semifinal, he's 18, Shapovalov 20, Korda 29, Nishioka 31. Jamie, I have this labeled as the most difficult quarter of the draw. I'm curious what you see. Yeah, and you've got some, you've looked, you've got some big names and powerful, dangerous people spread out throughout the entire part. So there's really no free two, three match stretch for anybody, uh, even the people who would be favorited and starting with Nadal himself, right? We'll, we'll get into this when we talk about first round matches, but bang, he's going to get tested right off the bat. And so, um, yeah, it, it's going to be fun and it's going to make a really, really fun, um, I don't know, spectacle, right? Especially when you're looking at second and third round matches, they're just going to be blockbusters in this quarter. So yeah, it's, it's chock full of uh, dangerous people. And we'll get into the drum more specifically, but You have a guy in Medvedev who I thought looked really good in Adelaide, and obviously he's the defending finalist, loses to Djokovic in Adelaide in the first week of the season. We don't see him in week number two, but I thought it was the right sort of start for Medvedev, who kills Kasmanovic and was always in control against Hatchinov. That said, I actually don't think Hatchinov's played poorly the first two weeks. Losses to Medvedev and Draper. Obviously, Francis goes undefeated in United Cup play. It wasn't the toughest schedule of matches, but undefeated is undefeated. I thought Shapo looked stronger. He played pretty well in his match against Djokovic. And then, you know, Sevi Court had match point on Djokovic like a week ago. And he's in this draw as well. Let me ask you this. Of all the non-Nadal players in this section, who are you most confident in entering play? I mean, I think you have to say Medvedev. Um, you know, not necessarily just what you've seen most recently, but, um, you know, the way that he's carried himself the last few years, especially in majors and knowing that he's going to show up and look, it, it, it's a hard court, serious event and it's Daniil Medvedev. So um, to that extent, you you expect sort of consistency and, and showing up. And um, I don't think this one's going to be an outlier. I expect him to do well and, and um, you know, do the Daniil Medvedev thing. So yeah. I, I'd have to go with Med there. I think that's very fair. You look for Medvedev since the start of the 2019 season. He's 159 and 43 in hard court events. You look for him at the slams, 39 and 7. And who are the losses to? Djokovic, Nadal, Stan, team, Djokovic, Nadal, Kyrgios. Yeah, that's pretty darn good at the majors. I mean, 39 and 7, he has a major title and he's averaging over his last eight majors, five wins in event. That means you're getting to the semifinals just about every time. That's a ridiculous track record. And for what it's worth, tennis abstract singles forecast, which of course I will refer to repeatedly throughout this show, their favorite to reach the semifinals in this section, pretty comfortably Daniil Medvedev. He's at 28%. Tiafo's actually at 13-7, Hercot's 12-2, 
Then you get to Corda, excuse me, eleven seven. So he's right after Hercots. Then you get to Chapo five five. Then you get to Nadal five point three. Tennis Abstracts only giving Nadal a 05 percent chance of winning this event. That feels a little light. At the same time, like I don't disagree. And again, I want to work in the odds here because I think they're fascinating to win this quarter, according to our friends at DraftKings. Medvedev plus one ten. Nadal plus 330, Korda plus 700, and then Hercot, Chapo, Tiafo all plus 1,200. I think that's reflective of the fact that, I mean, obviously they view Medvedev, not Nadal, as the favorite, but it really comes down to how confident are you in Rafa entering this event, Jamie? Yeah, and, and look, it's it's one of those, there's nobody who has a real answer here, right? I mean, we've seen it countless times where we're like, ooh, coming off that injury or oh the end of his season wasn't great what does he look like and then he shows up and does his thing so you know you never want to count him out and and like you said the 0.5 percent to win the event does feel low especially just given this guy's body of work um at the same time like i said he's going to get tested right from the very beginning this is a loaded section of the draw and no i won't be surprised if he doesn't advance out of you know quote unquote his quarter here and i think a lot of that has to do with the talent that's there and then the gauntlet that is medvedev at the bottom of this quarter and you brought up that first round match i think rafa versus draper is the most entertaining first round match we have at this 2023 australian open particularly in the men's singles draw and i think there's this line of thought that Rafa uses the first week to work his way into majors. And I think we can throw out the entire U.S. Open because he was injured and every event was going to be a slog. But like, you know, Wimbledon, he loses sets in his first two matches to Barankas and Sarundalo last year. Roland Garros, he plays a five-setter versus Felix before the incredible four-set went against Djokovic and really hits his stride the second week. You go back to... What was it? I think it was the Australian Open. Well, I think that was against Djokovic. I, f- I forget which which event it was where he lost a couple of matches in first uh, first few rounds before working his way to the later rounds. But, like, I'm looking at his tennis abstract right now, Jamie. Roland Garros last year. Straight set wins over Thompson, Mute, Botic before the match against Felix. Australian Open last year. Straight set wins against Giron, uh, Hanfman. Three sets against Hatchinov. Straight sets against Manorino. Five against Chapo, four against Berrettini, five against Medvedev. Like, I don't. I is that just an eye test thing? How much truth do you put in that? I mean, look, part of it is is the simple fact that he's going to be seated and he's getting some favorable draws, right? That yeah. allow him the ability that, that afford him um, the opportunity to ease his way in. But again, you get a situation like this. You got somebody who's young um, and is you know kind of got a hot hand right now in Jack Draper. Yeah, he's going to get tested right off the bat. Now, on the flip side of this, if you're Nadal, if you're trying to spend this positively, attitude-wise, you're not going into this softly. Not that he would anyway, but it's like you're going to get tested right away. And if you come through that match, you are going to be hopefully pretty comfortable for the next couple of rounds um, because you already know that you can beat a guy who's playing at this level, has that young energy, and then you can work your way through those next couple of rounds. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, like you said, at the top of this conversation, blockbuster first round matchup and, and probably at the top of the list out of any of the quarters. Jack Draper, 16 and 13 in his career against top 50 opponents, six and seven versus the top 20, obviously just turned 21 years old lefty. Uh, it was interesting for me. I wanted to look in his career. What's his record against left-handed players and 
you look for Draper's 9 and 12 against fellow lefties, which to me was an interesting tidbit, of course. You go to Tennis Abstract, you can see the stat leaderboard, hold percentage, break percentage. Last year, there were nine players who ranked top 25 in both hold and break percentage. Rafa was not one of them. His hold percentage fell out of the top 25. Jack Draper was, and obviously we saw him just make the semifinals last week in Adelaide. You feel like the lefty does have the physicality, even this early in his career, to play some extended points with Rafa, has the first serve to win some free points. I worry about his forehand and it holding up against the heaviness of that Rafa ball because the Draper forehand backswing gets a little bit funky. I actually think backhand to backhand, Draper's going to hold up just fine. I mean, ultimately, do you think Draper can pull it up? Because we'll talk dark horse candidates. Certainly he gets through that. You feel like now he's got all the momentum in the world. Again, Rafa loses three-set matches to Nori, to Demonauer, although they were very fun three-set matches. I don't think Rafa played poorly, just wasn't quite as refined as he needed to be. Be honest. Assess this match, because this is the most entertaining round one. What does Draper need to do? Which way are you leaning? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, look, we've seen Draper in this sort of situation, right? Remember him at Wimbledon, big sure. blockbuster matchup against Djokovic showed up and look, maybe that's a little bit different. He's got a home crowd. No, that's him. a and, great and that's, call by you. Good way to bring that up. Good call. It's, it's, and that's, that's a lot of fun. Right. And so I think that that helps him in the sense that the moment probably won't be quite as intimidating to him. This is a guy who wants it. So I think you're going to see throughout this match, you're going to see flashes of him. You'll see him go on a run, grab a break, get all sorts of pumped up. Ultimately, do I think he's going to close him out? No. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the problems potentially just with the heaviness um, and the weight of the ball behind Nadal's forehand. If he gets him in that, if he gets him in that cross court pattern, forehand to forehand, we'll see. Uh, but Draper's going to have to be creative. He's going to have to be aggressive. He's, I mean, he's not going to he's not going to win this match if he's not. He's going to have to come to net and finish points off and, and do it in different ways. He, you know, he can't let Nadal settle into pattern. So we'll see. Again, I, I think he'll go on a couple runs, maybe grab a couple breaks, maybe snag a set. Uh, wouldn't surprise me, but I, I don't think I don't think he'll be able to close it out unless Nadal is really just in poor form. But if Nadal even comes at his usual baseline, I think he'll get out of this in three or four sets. Can you imagine being number one seeded, uh, excuse me, 21-year-old Jack Draper, and you've played Djokovic at Wimbledon, and Rafa now as the number one seed? What an experience early in life. I know. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's winning. But all right, I'm going to name some other first-round matches. You tell me if you think they're interesting or not. And by the way, listeners, we're going to spend the most time on this quarter because, again, I think it's the most interesting. There's some other quarters that I think are a little more poo-poo, uh, and we'll go through them a little bit faster. But tell me if you think it's interesting. Give me a prediction. Nakashima McDonald. Yeah, I had it on my list uh, with an asterisk. I mean, I think um... – Probably more interesting just for some question marks, maybe around Mackey, but you expect Nakashima to roll, I think. Mackey played really good doubles last season, got hot in singles as well. I think he made a quarterfinal last week. Brandon Tuff lost to Davidovich Fokina uh, and two first-round loss, I believe, for him to start the season. But again, two California guys, that one's going to get physical. Nishioka Emer. You like five hours of tennis? This is the match for you, Jamie. This is literally the Jamie McDonald spirit match. Well, and we're going to see, I mean, both of these guys, no offense, how many times have we seen them be in positions to like serve out sets or matches and then it doesn't go their way and then they break back. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, that's got absolute battle written all over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whoever's serving for the match first will probably lose. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, uh, it's going to be a battle. And and I think that one will be fun to watch start to finish too. Who you got? 
I'm going to say Nishioka. I think he'll grind him out. I mean, Emer's just a really fun electric player to watch, but um, I don't know, too up and down for me sometimes. And again, when it comes to closing out matches, I mean, we've, we've seen this guy just not take his opportunities and finish matches. So I'll go with Nishioka. So a lot better of late. I mean, both of these guys have been top 50 guys over the last yeah. three months. Medvedev, Giron, that interests you at all or not really? Giron not just played really. Nori really tight in Auckland. Yeah, he did. But also, Nori, I mean, really kind of let off the gas in that match. Uh, he was he was in a pretty okay, but that's a whole other topic. We'll, we'll take hours if we break everything down like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, interesting to some degree. I think I would say at least one of the sets will be tight. And then it, it's, I don't know, it's it's Daniil Medvedev. I think he'll outlast him. That's just what he does. Yeah. Um. All right. I here's a question for you: Is Marcos Giron have the biggest biceps now on the ATP tour? No, he just shows them. <laughs> yeah, it's close. I mean, he might be the spirit, uh, the the soul child of Malik Jaziri. Like, this is the new. I mean, he's big. He's big. Who's he's bigger? big, and he's Who's he's got showing bigger it biceps. Off? Well, I mean, I think you also got to. You also got to think about height here too. If you bring in some of the big dudes, wow. probably a bit, and it just doesn't show as much. Yeah, but um, guess what? If you're going to be five ten, five eleven, you better be jacked, and he is. No, he is. Again, there's. Who do you I think? didn't say anything about wearing the the, the sleeveless is fine. Superset him versus JJ Wolf. Who's doing more weight? I mean, what lift? What are we talking? Curls, bench, biceps, curls. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Probably maybe Garon. Yeah. I mean, look, they're big. I'm yeah. not arguing that. Throw part. Jordan Thompson yes. in the mix. Oh my God. That guy's greasy. We got to move yeah. on, man. This is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last guy I would throw to Jerry Shang, who's playing Oscar Ota. The grant. It's the slam debut for the teenager. Just keep an eye on Shang. All right. Dark horse candidates. We'll go through them quickly. Cause we've talked about some of them. Jack Draper, just to straight up beat Nadal. You say no. I think I say no as well. Emer versus Nishioka, he gets through there, third round possible. You say no. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I think he pulls it off. Um, Nuno Borges, Senego first round. Senego's two tough losses in his first two matches. Winner plays Hercats Martinez. We know who he can struggle in the slams. Fair dark horse candidate? I I don't know. I mean, certainly you can make a case, but I mean, I I think – I think her catch is, is a very, very strong favorite to get through there and be pretty comfortable in his first couple rounds. All right. Last two for you. Hoosler and Rinder Kanesh. Rinder Kanesh would have to get through Korda before you even get a shot at Medvedev, which is why I think it's a little tougher for him. Hoosler, Milman for yeah. a round, then maybe a shot at Medvedev. Hoosler, big server, comfortable serving and volleying, comfortable taking his chances going down swinging. It's kind of the perfect playbook, the disaster playbook when you're facing Daniil Medvedev, who's going to be 12 feet behind the baseline. And when you serve in volley, you're at least putting pressure on him. That's a testy matchup for Medvedev early on. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure Hussler gets through round one. Millman, home crowd behind him. That'll be that'll be a real tough out. And, you know, talk about somebody who's going to force you to play a physical match. That's John Millman. Um, and so even if he gets through it, it might be a draining four or five set match before you got to play Daniil Medvedev. So I'll probably shut that one down. You know, I hate to kill your spirit, but that okay. one uh, that one looks like a tall, a tall task. Yeah, it's fair. All right. What about Hatchinov? 18 seed semifinalist at the U.S. Open. He's in the Tiafo immediate section, then potentially Rafa, which we've seen him struggle with repeatedly in round four. 
is round four success for Hatchoff? Can he get further? Can he be the guy who beats Rafa? It's a really tough path for Rafa. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if Hatchinoff is into the fourth round, that's a success for him because getting through even Tiafo is um, is going to be pretty difficult. And again, I mean, you and I have had many a conversation about Karen Hatchinoff um, and sort of what's going on there. And so we know this guy has the potential, um, but you just you see it sometimes where Hatchinoff playing against Draper, for example, like what just before this, he had beat him in straight sets and turns around and giving too many points away, not closing opportunities out. So that's just not something you can afford to do, especially in such a loaded quarter. So, yeah, I mean, I think if he even makes it to the fourth round, that'd be a success for Hatchinoff. Last one, Shapovalov 20 seed. Is this the year Shapo gets it all together? Yeah, so this is one, uh, if I had to pick one quote-unquote dark horse out of this, uh, Shapovalov was the one that I picked. I think, um, you know, I, again, there's not really a great place. There's no place to hide in this quarter of the draw. Uh, there's really not. However, you think that he's got to come through his first two a pretty comfortably. Like you mentioned, Hercatch, we've seen him struggle at majors before. Shapovalov, we know how dangerous he can be. No reason he couldn't take out Hubie when he's having a good day. And then who knows? Because if he's playing at a level good enough to take out Hercatch, you know, he's dangerous enough to beat anybody. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I think Shapovalov is the one that I would circle if I have to pick one in, in that range, dark horse wise. He's looked really good. And the problem yeah. is he'll have to do it three times in a row to really get to the semifinals and make the sort of run that would be considered that significant for him. But if he beats Hercots, a quarter or a Medvedev gets to the quarterfinals, that's a good opening tournament for Denis Shapovalov. Yeah. I'm a name I'm glad we got the chance to chat about here. But I mentioned that name, Sebi Korda. He's probably the biggest dark horse to me. And as I look at the Americans, I mean, look, Tiafo just beat Rafa in New York. So you can't just completely throw that match out the window. Now, I think if this Rafa gets to the fourth round, it means he's healthier. And it's a different sort of Rafael Nadal. But certainly Tiafo, Eltmeyer first, the young Jerry Shang. You do feel like he would be the favorite in a match against Hachinov. You know, again, you feel like there's a very clear path to the fourth round for him. For Korda, he'd have to go through Medvedev to get to the second week. Although, again, if you watch Korda and Adelaide. So let me just ask you. I have been all in on Sebi Korda through this first week. And I named him in the offseason the guy I think is going to finish as the number one American. Because he just has all the pieces. If he can put it together, be healthy. You just feel like there's top ten tennis there. I mean, again, oh, him versus Medvedev would be a hell of a third-round match. Who are you more confident in, draw-wise, level-wise? Who's the American that goes furthest? Yeah, that's what's tough. I uh, I was wavering back and forth on this. I mean, I think in terms of their current level and what I've seen, I would have to go with Korda. But in terms of how the draw lays, I think you have to go Tiafo Because if you're saying to get to that next round, you have to either get through Medvedev or Hachinov. I mean those just aren't in the same ballpark. And so I think you got to go Tiafo because he's got a better chance to advance if he wins and gets through plays Hatchinov to advance versus Korda, who's going to have to get through Medvedev. So I think you got to go Tiafo based on that alone. But if in a vacuum, you're not considering the draw, I think you'd have to say Korda is probably the one in this quarter, at least Can you uh, in terms of American men. Top 10 Korda praise because you're the only person in my life. Who, I mean, you keep me more honest than anyone else. Um, am I crazy here or do you see it too? No, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, do people really fight you on that? I mean, I, I don't think. It's not that they fight me, but the real take that's brewing and it's half-baked right now, it's in the oven. It's finally, you know, 
when the cookie starts to rise and it's clearly in cookie circle form, but it's not fully cemented yet. Not fully cemented because you still need some softness to chew through for the perfect cookie. But it's in that stage. I think Corner might be a tier one guy. Like I might, I'm starting to think he is going to win a slam by the end of this decade because when it looks good, this new ability of his to lean into his forehand and really generate plus one pace with it, because we've always known about the backhand, but the forehand side has gotten more solid. He's gotten a little stronger in and out of corners. The serves a little bit more effective and that's the low hanging fruit for him. Statistically. I just see it. I do. And like, that's the half baked take is that he's a tier one guy. Is that crazy? No, I mean, and look, this isn't somebody that we'll have a conversation with where, you know, they play really, really solid, but the potential just quite isn't there. It's like their ceiling is just here. He's not that guy, right? Because when he's at that top level, he is that top level. It's it's as simple as that. When he's playing his best tennis, he can beat anybody. And we saw that when he was going up against Djokovic, right? I mean, you see, you just see the flashes of it. So no, it's there. Um, but it's a whole nother thing to take that to the next level, to close out a match like that, and then to do it consistently. And that's what it's going to have to take. So no question the tennis is there. I don't know if I'm ready to sign off on he'll be tier one before I've seen any of the huge sort of yeah. steps that we need. Sure. But I mean, again, the tennis is there. The potential is there. This isn't an issue of, oh, just a great competitor, but doesn't have the weaponry because he does. It's just a matter of, like you said, putting it together and more importantly for me, closing things out in big moments. The reason I bring it up, 22 years old, typically around this stage, if you are going to be one of the guys, this is where he goes and beats a Medvedev. And it just feels like from a narrative perspective, that's very much in play. That said, I agree with you. I'd probably go Tiafo to round four, maybe even beating Rafa in that fourth round to get to the quarters. That said, predictions, Jamie McDonald, give me your quarter finalist who advances to the semis out of this section. Yeah, out of all the talk and excitement, I mean, I think you have to stay decently vanilla here. I think you got to go Medvedev. Um, you know, I think he's got a pretty decent draw. He'll have a big test in Korda, most likely, I think. Um, but I think he'll be pretty comfortable there. Korda would have to do a lot of special things to truly hit through him. He'd have to be aggressive and get to, to net and finish there well. I, I just think Medvedev is going to pick up steam and then roll through the rest of this. Yeah. It's tough because Chapo, Hercots, Korda, all guys with weapons that will put yep. Medvedev under pressure. I think he gets through that. I think he starts playing his best tennis. I saw flashes of it once again. The forehand looked like it had a little more sting in Adelaide. I'd also say this. Last year was considered by many a down year for Daniil Medvedev. In the last 52 weeks, he's still one of two players to rank top 10 in both hold and break percentage, the other being Novak Djokovic. So let's not forget that's still who Daniil Medvedev is. I haven't beaten Nadal in the quarterfinals. Who do you have him beating? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't play all of that out. I mean, in the top half, I, I, you could make an argument for several, but... Um... Am I going to pressure you here because I picked Nadal into going Tiafa? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I, I think it's. I think it's either. Well, just pick Rafa. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, Nadal's where my head's at if I have to see it, but yeah. um, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, no, it's. I don't it's feel gonna, great about it. I agree, Medvedev. I just think he gets through those third round, fourth round, and now he's playing his best tennis. So I'm gonna go Medvedev getting a little revenge for last year. All right, that's quarter number one. We're gonna zoom through these next quarters. 
much quicker. I promise, mostly to Jamie. Um, let's look at quarter number two, the Tsitsipas quarter, which I think is a little top-heavy, but after that, not entirely fascinating. You look at the seeds in this section, Tsitsipas, obviously your number three seed. Then you have FAA, finished the year on an absolute tear. I think it was 28-3 and post-U.S. Open. Um, he's your sixth seed. Nori, I know he lost to Gasquet. Oh, my God, did Gasquet play well? That's a story for another time. But you could argue Nori physically is like unequivocally a top tier physical guy right now. Just the ability to play five plus hours, play those 30 shot rallies. Cam Nori's in his physical prime. Sinner, one of two guys along with Rafa to make the second week of every major in 2022. The question is how healthy is he? How healthy is fellow Italian Lorenzo Musetti? How healthy is Borna Chorich? What are we going to get out of Sarundolo? How high is the ceiling of Botic van de Sinschkulp? Again, like, there's some fun unseeded players, Ebing Wu, Yuri Lehechka, but like, I don't know. This court is a little top heavy. What do you think? Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, I think you have some you have some people in here who maybe a handful of years ago uh, we were talking about in very different lights in conversation. And so it's going to be exciting for me to at least see how they do coming back from either injury or just not having consistent results, right? When when you talk about people who are kind of lurking in this draw, you've got people like Edmund and Vavrinka and Chorich. Uh, and it's like, huh, interesting, right? So I think that's that's a lot of it for me is seeing these names and being like, okay, well, how are we going to set the tone for 2023 with these guys who a few years ago, again, we could have been really high on whether it's a next-gen conversation, whether whatever it is, it's just completely different now. So this is kind of their opportunity to to show the world what's going on with them in 2023. For me, what makes this section interesting is how many guys look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm the favorite in this section. Like, Tsitsipas obviously says that. Felix Price says it. I think Nori can say it to himself. I think Sinner can say it to himself. I don't think Chorich yep. fears any of the guys here in this section because he's been beating up on most of them his entire life. Like, that's what makes this section interesting is it could get a little bit funky if you're Tsitsipas coming off of disappointing endings to your majors last year, disappointment, obviously, whether it be uh, who did he lose to, Draper, I want to – no, Felix lost to Draper. I forget who he lost to at the U.S. Open, but it was a bad match. He lost to not Halise. He lost to uh, – I don't know. You can look that up as I'm talking. Um, but obviously, he had a tough U.S. Open ending, loses to Kyrgios at Wimbledon. Um this is a pretty ideal draw. Like he's played Felix a million times. And, you know, again, for a Pass who I thought played pretty well at the United cup. Um, this is the ideal dry draw. Now he also much like Rafa in the last section has a very tough first round matches. He's going to take on a guy, Quentin Halise, who I think it's 11 challenger finals last year. I think he had the most challenger titles. I want to say he made six challenger finals, if not seven, you know, as a guy who's working his way into the top 70 big serve, Big forehand, the sort of things, the weapons that can give that CT pass backhand trouble. I like that first round matchup, Jamie. And again, we have seen CT pass historically. Wimbledon a couple of years ago with Tiafo. You know, we've seen him struggle in first weeks of majors. Uh, Chorch a few years ago at the U.S. Open. Now, Halise isn't maybe the tier of those guys, but he's it, it's a tough... I mean, again, neither guy wants loves hitting the backhand. Tsitsipas probably better at the serve and forehand, the volleys, all the things Halise wants to do. Tsitsipas is a little bit better at them, but that doesn't mean Halise is bad. Like, this is a tough one for Stefanos. Yeah, it's a tough one for Tsitsipas. And, and again, like you mentioned, we've seen him struggle early in majors. I, I think 
the match you're referencing. Were you talking about first round US Open this last year? Yeah, who'd he play? Yeah, it was Galan. Well, he came out That's and got just what it cranked. Was. He won like one game in the first two sets. Um, and so I don't, I don't think he'll ever start the first round of a major that bad again. Um, <laughs> but hope. regardless, regardless, I mean, no matter how this draw breaks, even if he wins the first round, even if he wins the second, he's not going to have an easy match. Uh, and I mean, I'll kind of give a little bit of a spoiler here, but I don't expect him to come through this quarter. Um, and Sure, maybe confidence-wise he does, and I think you have to go into that that way, and technically this is his quarter, but in my mind, it really doesn't function that way. I think there are several other guys uh, who I would list above him in terms of favorites to take it. Well, we'll get to their draws and why you feel that way in a moment, but let me, again, rapid-fire some first-round matches at you. George Lechechka, Yuri, next-gen finals finalist. We've seen that bump yep. from success at that event at this slam many a times. I thought he played really well last week, three sets with Nori. His serve, his forehand are real weapons. We never know how short, how healthy Chorch is. It feels like at this point of his career, that's a tough one for Borna. Yeah, yeah, certainly a tough one. That's one that I had circled as well. Hanafman Hijikata, Crack Racket Special, two guys who have come on the show, yep. two former college All-Americans. Yep. Yannick, maybe the best kick serve in all of professional tennis. Rinky. It's just a scrapper, man. Great athlete. Very twitchy. Who wins that one? I don't know. Um, I, I just, just total gut play. I think Rinky takes it. Yeah, I think I like, Rinky takes it. I think that's a good call by you. Uh, again, this is a tough section. Now, here's the next parts of my list. Botic versus Vashka. I've got a circle as well, and I will, again, one of those people I did put on a dark horse list as well. I so. expected you to say no thank you. I thought you were just going to like, yeah, no. I'm good. Um, Ivashka, Muse- man, you watch that guy, especially especially when we're you know later in the season, indoor hardcore. I swear to God, you see him for a little bit, and you're like, that's the best player to ever play the game. Yeah. Uh, he just, sometimes yeah, he shows up. So No, he's a he's February-October player. Yeah, he's a February-October guy Big time. for sure. Big time. Um, Musetti Harris, because Harris had to fly from Thailand, and it's like a 20-hour flight, and he had like 30 hours to get there. Um, and Musetti's a little injured, so that one you feel like could be two and a half sets tops. Yeah, I mean, I again, I, I don't expect Musetti to do much in this section of the draw. We'll, we can get to that later, but yeah, we'll... We'll see. I mean, Lloyd Harris has kind of made a name for himself, uh, popping up random results in majors. So maybe this is another one where he gets through a couple rounds. But um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, this next one leads me to my dark horses. Ibing Wu versus Quarantine Mute. And I think Ibing Wu, a guy who had a ton of success on the American hard courts last year, made a final uh, in Asia as well to end the season. I mean, look, he's got weapons. He's rock solid on both wings. And you look at Ibing Wu's draw here at this 2023 Australian Open, he's going to have an opportunity in this section to do a little damage. Quarantine Mute, who hasn't played a match this year, he's got that lefty first round. Sarundalo at versus Paya, he, plays, he would play the hypothetical winner of. Neither of those guys, obviously, they'd love for that match to be on clay, not the hard courts and these quicker courts. You feel like Ibing Wu's going to thrive against them. And then look, like, you're unseated. You get to the third round. I would point out he made the third round of the U.S. Open as well, so that would be back-to-back third rounds at hard courts. That's like the definition of a dark horse. I think Ebing Wu's it when I look at this section of the unseated guys. And again, third round isn't, oh, that's a massive dark horse performance, but that's what gets you in the top 100. That's what gets you in the conversation. 
Yeah, no, that's true. I think, hey, I think, uh, you know, you're sleeping on pay a little bit here, especially in <laughs> someone who's like, hey, hey you remember – he can play on quick surfaces. You remember that run yeah. he made at Wimbledon? Yeah, um, I remember the one that? run. Yeah, twenty nineteen maybe. Around there. Um, yeah. yeah, so you, you've seen it happen, but no. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. Do you want me to get into the dark horse conversation on my side now? Yeah, please. So I think by default, simply because of the name, you have to throw Fuchovic in there. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen the dude do it? Uh, That's do a I feel twenty nineteen partic- take? Uh, yeah, but. Out of out of true respect for what we've seen this man do, sure. Uh, sure. and just th- throw off draws, we got to put him in there. Um, and then my second one is Ivashka, uh, kind of like I alluded to before. Um, you know, I think especially because I really don't have that much confidence in the top part of this draw with Sitsipas up there, Ivashka. You've got an opportunity here. Um, I think Sitsipas will be challenged really heavily in the first couple. So even if he does get through, he's going to be probably a little bit weaker physically, I think. I don't know. It's an interesting one. And from there, I mean, I don't think he fears anybody with the style of game he plays. If he's on, he's on. So if he's getting through a round or two and looking pretty good, there's no reason he can't get two, three or four. So that's thinking there. But um, yeah, other than that, I mean, I think you've got people who – we talk about a lot who are going to be pretty heavy favorites and uh, ultimately they're going to be closing things out, whether it's center and Nori and all those guys. We mentioned Lachetchka earlier. Let me give you two more names. Sun Wukwan, who plays Chris Eubanks round one, would play the Lachetchka Church winner round two. Did you watch mm-hmm. one at all this week in Adelaide? I have I his did. forehand. I was like, dude, where did this come from? Like the aggression he was playing with this week was out of this world. Right. Well, I know. And a lot of times, too, when we had conversations in, with him in the past, it was the rock solid backhand uh, and just how much of a staple of a game it was. And I mean, this is something that you see that happens a lot with players where we talk about a backhand and, and something to be just so rock solid. And then something clicks and they step into their forehand and they find that aggression. They find that confidence with it. Um, I mean, obviously, we're, we're not comparing apples to apples here, but think about the progression that happened with Stan's game before he popped up and started winning majors and, and really being a force at the top of the game. Everyone knew the backhand that was there. When he developed the forehand, that is when things really changed. So, yeah, 100 percent for him. And, and he's looked really good. Um, you know, I, I think his ability to simply come through matches is awesome in a situation like this. He's going to have confidence. I expect him to win that first round against Eubanks. Past that, though, I'm not sure what this looks like in, in this section for him. It's always tough to win an event the week before as well and go into a major. I would point out, yeah. again, it was 500 before a semifinal run sold to end the year, and then this title run here to start the season. Still big run uh, for the Korean player. A guy to watch. And then Talon Griegspor, who won a title week number one in India. You feel like him beating Tsitsipas the third round? I can just, like, I can see it now. Um <laughs> The seated dark horses, George, we talked about. Sinner, it's just how healthy is he? Like, that's the question. Because if he's healthy, again, like, you could argue a healthy Sinner's the favorite in this section, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of, is he healthy? Uh, and then Nori, who I think is probably the favorite in this section. If you're going purely on results to start the season, what is he, like, 8-1 and one to start the year? Beats Fritz, beats Demon, beats Nadal in three really good matches in United Cup. Fit as a fiddle. I think he's going after the forehand a little more. We're, it, I mean, is he a tier two guy for you now? Like, has he made that jump into tier number two? Yeah, he's tier two. I mean, 
I don't, I don't see how you could not say that based on his results and the consistency of those results. I mean, pretty disappointing. I would say the last couple of days, if you were following him and to see him kind of let that match against Gasquet slip, um, I think he got real close to the finish line and, and things kind of got to him a little bit. And so that's always disappointing to see, but that doesn't change anything for me in my mind. He's consistently shown up um, and just had great success in these draws. So yeah, I, again, not to put any spoilers, I don't have him coming through this section, but you know, it's a fine pick and it makes all the sense in the world. 26 and five against opponents ranked outside the top 50, 47 and 14 against opponents ranked outside the top 20 over the course of the last 52 weeks for Nori. Yeah, it's rare for him to be tripped up as he was against Greek sport, uh, Gasquet. And I think four of those non top 50 losses have come in like the past three months, which is just something to note, I suppose for Cam Nori with that said, only one American in this section. So we can blend this with the predictions does Eubanks win his first round match against Quan, or did he get knocked out in round one? Uh, I think Quan wins it. Uh, I mean, you know, potentially if you're Eubanks, you're you're coming in knowing that you'll probably be a little bit fresher. Quan, like you said, coming off of that title run, uh, and it is difficult to flip the switch right away um, and go into the first round of a major after that. But again, with the level he had displayed, I think I don't know. I'd feel silly not putting him through there. So. I think Eubanks exits after uh, after this one. I think he wins. I think it's a bad matchup. Quan size wise again five eight five nine. Eubanks just gonna be raining serves down on him. You never know how Quan's legs are gonna feel after the week of tennis he just played in Adelaide. I'll take Eubanks to round two before I think he gets knocked out uh, by whomever it is. Oh, I think we'll say Borna Chorich in the course of my draw. With that in mind, Jamie, who's getting out of the Tsitsipas section? Yeah, I have it as Felix. Um, I think Felix takes out Nori, um, and then I think it's Felix over center to win it. I think it would be, yeah, that's freaking hilarious because I I have Felix over Nori as well, and I wrote that down even though I realize now it's the round of 16 and not the quarterfinals. Yeah. Of course we agree. You know what? I'm just gonna go. Well, I thought you. I thought you were saying. I thought you were saying Nori was the favorite for this. I think he is. I just think this is where Felix. I talked about this earlier. How 22, 23. You know, with Draper, how you pop eventually, and we've seen Felix already make quarterfinals, semifinals before. He was holding ninety two point six percent of the time to end last season. I know he lost his first round match against a popperin who was serving lights out, and you know, again, you look at the draw for Felix first round against uh, Pospisil. Wawrinka lingering perhaps in round two. I think that Ebing Wu match would be tricky in round number three, but three matches to really find his bearings, certainly. And I think he's going to do that. And then again, the serve, the forehand, they're real. He's a tier one guy. He's a top 10 seed. I want to see him defend that seed. I'm going to take Felix. Oh, I always take center. Always. But you took center, so I'm going to be different here. I'm just going to stick seed. I'm going to go with Tsitsipas. I'm going to say Tsitsipas does make it to the quarterfinal round before he's knocked out by Felix in what is always a fun battle between those two. Uh, That said, again, that's quarter number two. Let's move on to the Djokovic quarter. Djokovic number three, top half of the uh, top section of the bottom half, excuse me, of the draw. It's an interesting section. 
but you have Novak in it. So, of course, it limits what else is uh, possible here. And you look for Novak Djokovic, nine-time Australian Open champion, looking to catch Rafa in the all-time major count. So, certainly, you know, the motivation will be there uh, for the fourth seed. He's joined by fifth-seeded Andre Rublev, ninth-seeded Holger Runa, who, of course, beat Djokovic in his run to the Paris Masters title. You've got Karana, or Canada Masters champ, excuse me, Carino Busta. Kyrgios, Demon Hour, each in this section. Dan Evans, Grigor Dimitrov, all in this section. Again, it's a really fun section. It's just that Novak's in it. Yeah, I mean that's that's the part. So we'll we'll go through the motions here. We'll we'll still talk about the first round matches, the dark horses, and and if there's any sprinkles of in, uh, you know, look, you've got anytime you got Curious in a section, uh, I think that opens up the windows, opens up the conversation a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of this that I feel like we can talk about it, but when that person that we're talking about ultimately plays Djokovic, <laughs> you know. I think we both are expecting the same thing to happen, which is Novak advance, but we'll get to it. I will say this, there are a few first round matches in this one that really excite me. I don't, I'll let you go ahead and say which ones you think, but I, I was pretty excited by a few of these. It's a really good section. I agree with you. And, you know, again, when you look at this section, Kyrgios coming off of a career year in 2022, beats Medvedev at the U.S. Open. We know what he's capable of in a single match vacuum. You know, Runa loses his first match in Adelaide, but we saw his level at the end of the season in Paris. Rublev, two first-round losses in three sets to start the season, but I don't think he played poorly. Demon got a win over freaking Rafa at the United Cup, and he's always been better in front of his home crowd. So it is very, very interesting. That said, Novak's holding serve about 88% of the time right now. It's 2% above his career average, and he's a top-10 server on the ATP Tour. He's also breaking serve 28.3% of the time, which is 3%, 35 below his career average, which is crazy because he averages over 30%, which is why he's the GOAT as a returner. Um, and yet that 283 3% below his career average, still top five on the ATP Tour. It's like statistically his win percentage over the last 52 weeks is higher at 87% than it is his career average. It's like, again, he's been playing advantageous events, advantageous surfaces, but – He's still the guy that everything runs through. That said, you know, again, he is not featured in my most entertaining first-round matches. I would be shocked if he loses more than six games against Corbeus Baena, but there are a lot of other good ones. Let's start at the top. Rublev team. What's the upset alert factor for you for Andre Rublev? Impossible to tell. Um, I mean, I think... A team, you know, to me, I don't think this is the most. He's somebody who's still coming back, right? And in a way, like he's been back, but we haven't really seen him back to near his true form. So, um, you know, I think this is one of those where if he's able to come through here, look pretty good physically, grab a set, I think ultimately that's positive for him for the year. I, I don't see him winning this match unless Rublev really just goes off the rails and feeds him points. I, I don't see a way that team wins this match. I don't think he's sharp enough yet. Um, and again, I, I think tennis is a great place when Dominic team is at his best. So there's definitely a part of me that hopes he proves that wrong because when that guy is on, I mean, he can hit through anybody. Um, and so that's great for the sport, but I, I just haven't seen it yet. And so I can't trust it. So, you know, I, I think that's more of like a Rublev in, in four situation. Um, but 
it, it's still fun to watch. And yeah, I mean, Dominic team's still Dominic team. So I'm going to watch it and, and list it as an exciting first rounder for sure. Played a lot better down the season's home stretch. Went over Sarandolo. Yeah. He owned before losing four and four to Rublev. He beats Sarandolo. Hercots before losing seven, six and third to Korda. Beats Tommy Paul before three and three loss to Medvedev in Vienna. Now I know he lost in Adelaide qualifying, but he played exhibition matches last week where he looked pretty good. Again, Rublev lost to RBA in three sets last week. He lost, or excuse me, to Kokonakis in three sets last week. RBA three sets the week before. Ah, uh, Kokonakis was playing top 20 tennis. I actually don't think Rublev played poorly last week. The RBA match, he was up a set and two, one a break, and he loses that match. He's not playing bad. Again, it's weapons versus weapons, and team has the weapons to make Rublev uncomfortable. The problem is he'll slice the backhand too frequently. I think he's going to give Rublev just a little bit too much time to set on that forehand. And so I'll take Andre in what I think will be a really fun four-set match. But outside of that one, what else do you have circled? Yeah, well, my last thought on Rublev team, I think there are going to be patches of that match that are really ugly. Yeah, I think well there's, just, there's just there's just going to be spraying from the baseline at points. Um, and well, it's going to be like, you know, I, I it's unfortunate, but I just let you mention it. I don't think either of them are playing near their best right now. And I think both of them know that. And so that probably makes for a fun kind of gritty competitive aspect of it. And I'm still favoring Rublev. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be ugly patches of this match. I mean, don't be surprised if you see. It's just some really, really bad service games um, and just some bad errors from behind the baseline. But that is what it is. With that in mind, let me ask you this. What would you rather watch? NCAA quarterfinals comes down to your number six singles position. You know she's going to lose the set 6-3. You have to watch that entire third set unfold or you have to watch the duration of Isner Manorino. Oh, and knowing the outcome hurts, man. I'm a, I'm a guy of intrigue. I, I need to I need to have that mystique behind it. So I'll still go with Isner Manorino because there's the intrigue behind it. Not knowing, not knowing. Are you knowing. sure and, there's any intrigue behind that first round match? Yeah, because you you don't know what's gonna happen. I I uh, like to see the result. I know what's gonna. I don't, don't want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. With that in mind, what do you want to watch? What's interesting to you? Yeah, I think Umber Gasquet is interesting. Um, you know, especially coming off of, especially coming off of Gasquet's good run there. Um, honestly, somewhat unexpected, especially coming over Nori to take that. I, I don't know. Ugo Umber is a guy who I've talked about, especially in the last couple of years, where it's sort of similar to our Hatchinoff conversation. I just don't understand. Uh, you see the guy play near his best and it's phenomenal. And he has so many different tools. He's got the athleticism. He has the ability to move forward. He looks comfortable on different surfaces. He all blah, 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 blah. He'll come up with good wins here and there. And for some reason, just things have not been coming together for him. Um, and so I would love 2023 to be more of a, a year for Umber. Um, But I mean, I think he's got to get off on a decent start. So I, I'm excited to see him play someone who we know is feeling pretty confident and in good form in, in a Richard Gasquet. Oh my God, Gasquet was just swinging freely against Nori. He flipped. He flipped the hat backwards, and it was just oh, Ash catch him. He caught them all. It was. It was. It's a really fun match. I agree. It's one Umber kind of needs. Uh, and you know, again, yep. it feels like we are far removed from him playing that really fun match with Curious. What was that? A year ago? Uh, two years ago? Whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Dimitrov Karatsev. Karatsev played two ridiculous matches in India before losing in the semifinals. And so, like, again, 
that you like shot making, that's the one for you. Talk about there will yeah. be moments where that one's ugly. There will also be moments where that match is gorgeous. Yep, hundred percent agree. I mean, I think the and that one, it, it's going to be a roller coaster, right? There's going to be times where Garrett's going to, you know, double fault three times in a row, and then there's going to be a time where Dimitrov misses three sitters, but then you know has a ridiculous athletic grab out of the corner. So it's just that's just what you get in a matchup like that. So that one should be a lot of fun as well. It should be entertaining start to finish. Yeah, and two contrasts, Cressy Ramos, Kyrgios Safalin. Just, again, fun contrast of styles, certainly in those two. All right, you look at the dark horses. Who stood out to you? Yeah, it's weird. Um, hard to really say Kyrgios would be a dark horse um, just because of the 2022 he's had, and we know of the talent he possesses. Obviously, there's going to be a crowd behind him. Hard to really consider him a dark horse. So outside of that, I mean, really the only one who I think think you can throw in here is dan evans um i think he has kind of a it's quiet a and sneaky jamie pick it's the most well, it's jamie a quiet... pick of all time well it's a quiet sneaky pick i mean look he's got bagness first round the winner of galan and shardy then he would have if rublev is coming through we've already talked about how rublev isn't looking that great i don't know i, I think there's potential there for a 25 seed in dan evans i think that would be my pick if we have to go with a true dark horse and, and not talk about curious in that light we talked about team already. We talked about Gasquet. You look for Gasquet. His second round would be Kyrgios. That would be fun. Um, mm. I think another one that are paired together, we talked about Karatsev already, who if he gets through Grigor as the seed, now the next seed would be Djokovic in the third round. Technically, that would be exceeding his expectation. But the Benjamin Bonzi-Alex Diemenauer pairing. I think those two are the favorites over Carino Busta to get out of that little section of eight. And I think Demon in front of a home crowd, he looked really good against Rafa. He's always really good in Australia. I think he gets to the fourth round. And again, as the 22 seed, that would be exceeding expectations. I think he's going to play Djokovic tough. I think that match is going to be three plus hours. I just think Djokovic is better at everything. And so ultimately he probably comes through in like a five, six and three match. Uh, But I think Demon would be another guy I circle. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, it's fair. And again, you know, you talk about a guy who's going to get pumped and he's going to have the home crowd behind him. And that's that's going to be an exciting um, it, look. any match he's played. He's going to get exciting. He's going to use the crowd. He's smart um, and they love that sort of energy, that attitude. So, yeah, that's that's another dynamic to watch for. But I, I like it. And I mean, I love watching Damon Hour, especially on the hard courts, his movement and the athleticism and the intensity. It's just it's everything that you want in a player. Um you got to love the scrappiness, but yeah, if he runs up against somebody like a Djokovic, I don't know how much he can do. But no, I, I think it's a fine pick. I think it's a fine pick. I also think it's a make or break year for him. Like, much like Chapo for both of them, it's like, all right, what is your ceiling? Because you're 23, 24 years old now. You've been doing this for five, six years. At this point, you probably are who you are. Like, yeah, you could get better on the margins, but we know what the Chapo ceiling is. Can he ever be that guy consistently? If he can't do it for the fifth year consecutively, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to do it for five years consecutively. He might do it for six months at some point during his career when he's 27, 28. But again, for Demon, it's can he challenge the Djokovic's of the world, get past that Carreño Busta threshold and be the guy they all have to go through as that litmus test to get into the top 10. Really be a top of tier two sort of guy because I don't think tier one's ever going to be for him. We don't know. And that I think, again, that's what makes this Australian Open so fascinating at a big level. And so those are all the dark horses I would turn to. You look at the Americans in this section again. Not the greatest section, but 
it gets fun for the Americans in the next one. You've got Cressy taking on Ramos, and then again, it would be potentially Runa in the second round. Isner taking on Manorino, potentially Demon Hour in the second round. Which American gets further? Tough decision here. I think you think I think you probably say Cressy. Uh, I just he has to. He made the round of sixteen last year. Yeah, I just you know it, it's not a great draw for him. Um, but it's a good you know, matchup looking, with Runa. If you're looking, they serve into if, that Runa forehand. Yeah, and it's not going to allow Runa to get comfortable from behind the baseline, yeah. which is what he wants to do. So I, I agree with you there. But and in terms of matchups, but in terms of just straight draw, if you're looking at this, um, I mean, Isner probably has the better draw there, but I, I think you got to go Cressy. Tough section. Tough section for the Americans. I think Cressy could beat Runa. That would be one of my sneaky fun yeah. picks uh, yeah. for this uh, take. But all right, prediction. Who does Djokovic beat on his way to the semifinals? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you got to go for the explosive pick. You got to go curious. I mean, here's what just... I hate: we agree so much right now, but explain well, it's why. Just fun. Yeah. Exactly. Well, again, I mean, we we've heard Curious talk about it. He is shoring up a lot of the you know stupidity that he's had on tour, and that and that's come with a lot of fun as well. And I think you and I agree that we've been kind of on the same page from day one, you know, minus maybe some of the more problematic antics. Overall, he's good for the sport. Um, He gets people talking. He has that spectacle. And that's even more so going to be the case when he's got a home crowd behind him. Um, And I have no doubt that there are going to be ridiculous moments. um, And that's just sort of what you get when you sign on for watching Nick Kyrgios. But at the same time, when you talk about the pure tennis, unbelievable serve, unbelievable weapons, the guy can lock in and truly be the best player in the world uh, when he's at that level. So I think you just have to respect that aspect of it and go with Nick Kyrgios. Safalin, the Gasquet Bear winner, Cressy Aruna, and then after that, Rublev, Evans, team, whomever it may be. Those are all good matchups for Nick Kyrgios. He doesn't draw Medvedev in the first week. He doesn't draw a Rafa or a Djokovic in the first week. He's going to have time to flex his muscles. And again, if he's the Kiros we saw for the duration of the second half of last season, the guy's a top 10 player by every metric, yep. by every stat, finished the last 52 weeks as the number one server, holding server for 92% of the time. It just keeps you in the ball game. I agree. I think this is the one where he makes a push, where he gets the swing at Novak Djokovic. And again, we saw him take that swing in the Wimbledon final. Uh, now he's going to have a home crowd behind him. And if he's ever going to get it done, that would be the moment. I really hope we get to see it. I still yeah. have Djokovic beating him in in that quarterfinal round because, again, it's Novak freaking Djokovic. With that said, we reach the final quarter, and there's a small smile on Jamie McDonald's face as we do. I labeled this one the American quarter because I think this is the one where we're going to be talking a lot about American men's tennis. And, you know, again, mm-hmm. from a seed perspective, only one American seeded. Taylor Fritz, but Tommy Paul, J.J. Wolf, Brandon Holt, others are in this section of the draw. You look at the seeds, though. Rude, Fritz, Zverev, who still working his way back, so it's not that Zverev, but Zverev is in this section. Berrettini, Schwartzman. Should we pour one out for Schwartzman ceremonially? Let's have that quick tangent, Jamie. Is it just time? You go first. What, what, you think? You think it's time? I think it's time to pour one out, but I'm not going to do it unless you give me permission. You have permission. Say whatever you want. Uh, it's just a little rough. It's just been a little rough, especially on hard courts of late for Diego Schwartzman. But RBA, 24. Kasmanovic, 26. Davidovich, Fokina, 30. 
I mean, again, Rude has not played particularly well to start the season, but who cares? They're warm-up events, three out of five. He's a different sort of animal. Two finals last year. Fritz, it's like he took a magic pill, and now all of a sudden he has a focus and just a, a concentration, a, a movement that is exceptional. I mean, again, I think this is an interesting section. I think there are a lot of pretty good players here. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a really, really fun section, Um, you know, not only from the American, not even only from the American perspective, but just overall. And and I think it is just hilarious to me still seeing Casper Rude with the two next to his name. And and I know there are different scenarios here with, you know, Wimbledon not having points and Alcaraz pulling out that lead to this. And and I understand all that, but that's just, you know, calling it his quarter uh, feels a little bit different, but we'll, I mean, we'll see again, you talk about his physicality, his ability to come through five set matches. That's something that he has certainly proven, but um, there are a lot of other names in this, in this section of the draw that I think are going to be fun to talk about and, and certainly fun to watch. Yeah. So as we look at this section of the draw, most entertaining first round matches, I think there are a lot of good ones up and down this section. And you know, the place I would start the obvious headliner Bertini Murray, And historically, again, big servers against Andy Murray. That's where he's had so much success because he is so successful on the return. But the pace Berrettini plays with, again, versus this Andy Murray, it's a fun matchup. What do you – does Murray got a shot? I mean, I think it's it's mostly fun just because of the name and the headline it creates. In terms of the pure tennis here, this shouldn't be close. Um, Now, Murray scraps, and that's what he does. So, you know, he'll fight to make it as close as he can. But – with the weapons Berrettini has, I mean, he should be serving and ripping first ball forehands. You know, Murray will occasionally lull him into, you know, a long rally, but it's not like Murray has his old physicality either. So that sort of way isn't necessarily going to be a big path for him too. I just, I don't see a way he has out of that match. Um, so it, it's fun, certainly, and I'll watch it, but I think it's got to be Berrettini big favorite. I agree. I think Bertini is probably the favorite in that match. Just again, he he didn't play well, and yet he just stayed so competitive against Fritz uh, in all of his matches in hop, uh, against her cats as well in United Cup and top five server. Again, just the constant pressure he'll have Murray under the margin of error for Murray is so thin. I I would lead Bertini as well in that match. What else are you looking at in this section that has you so intrigued? Yeah, I think you got to go Kakanakis and uh, and Fonini. That's just fun. Um, you know, you have so much firepower in that. Um, Kakanakis has also looked really good as of late, uh, which is super exciting. You know that there's going to be a lot of crowd involvement and there's going to be people behind him. You know, there's going to be Fonini probably jawing with some people in the crowd. You never know. You never know. And so I think there's just a lot of... Uh, you know, fun sort of atmosphere questions surrounding that one. And you're going to see some ridiculous highlights, some top 10 forehands, uh, stupid, ill-advised slap down the lines. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of firepower again in that matchup. I, I, I think there are a lot of good ones. Fonini Kokonakis, Wolf Thompson, Kesmenovich yeah. Yari, I think is another fun one as well. Actually, by the way, for the Australians, Wolf Thompson, Kokonakis, Fonini, Popperin versus Jason Sung, former world junior number two, is so consistent. Those are tough matches. They're going to need the Aussie crowd behind them. That Wolf Thompson one, I think JJ has hit another level. I think JJ's looked really good, Jamie. What are, are, who yeah. are you taking in Wolf Thompson? That's what I've circled as well. Um, I, I think I think that's 
both in five. Um, you know, I think Jordan Thompson, again, we know how physical he can make matches, but you're right. JJ Wolf has looked really good. I think he has the weaponry to just simply hit through him at times. Um, I think that'll be good. I mean, again, you, everywhere you look in this draw, there are first round matches that could be grinds. I mean, Davidovich, Fokina and Bublik, uh, you never know what you're going to get when you throw a guy like Bublik out there. So this, this section of the draw is really, really fun, um, in terms of first round matches. So I'm excited. Yeah. Again. Bunch of good ones, certainly, in this section. Uh, Holt Vukic for the college tennis heads, like myself, is another just sneaky fun one for all of us to enjoy. Uh, Dark Horse candidates, as you look at this section of the draw. Again, there's just a lot of good players. And by the way, another American, can't believe I haven't mentioned him yet. I think a sneaky Dark Horse, Ben Shelton, the lefty, who obviously looking uh, for a run here to kick off his pro career takes on Jung Ji Jen, uh, the talented Chinese player in round number one, but according to Tennis Abstract, Ben, a 77.6% favorite then to play the winner of Kesmenovic Yari and Yari with his weapons. He's got the biggest weapons on the court against Kesmenovic. That's no easy win for the 26th seed. I think there's a world where Ben Shelton gets to the third round here. I think both he and Yari, Jamie, have to be considered dark horses. That's fair. I would. I actually had Shelton um, listed. I, I went two different directions. I picked two dark horses, and one was based on what I thought, you know, in terms of ability and what I've seen with their tennis, and the other one was simply based on the draw. So Shelton, I'm really excited about what I've seen matchup-wise when you look at this. Even if he does get to that third round against Taylor Fritz, obviously Fritz will be the favorite and has been playing some phenomenal tennis, but Shelton's not going to be afraid of that matchup either. Um, and so that's really exciting. And, and I think that's a good pick. The first one I had down, the second one I had down, you'll love this and I hate it already, but I'm going to have to go ahead and say it based on the draw. You got to be looking at Gofen. Oh, there he is. He's back. He plays. Yeah, I know. Look, I, it's like, it's like my pick on Muguruza every time. It just, you always <laughs> say it at the wrong time and you get burned. It, it is what it is, but you still got to, you still got to say it. So look, he plays a qualifier first round. Okay. Then second, he has the winner of a Zverev with a thousand question marks or a lucky loser. After that, seeding wise, the favorite to come through would be a guy who we just talked about not being in good form of Diego Schwartzman on the hard court. I, I think just you have to you have to put GoFen's name out there, even if you don't have much confidence in how he's playing, simply because of how this little mini section of the draws played out. He's he's got a pretty good opportunity here if he's able to string some some sets together. Yeah, I, I mean, again, look, it, it, it's nice to have you back um, because some things never change. I do agree. <laughs> I actually thought he looked pretty good uh, in last week in Auckland or Adelaide, yeah. wherever it was he was playing. I don't have I think it on was, my list. I, I think there are. Other, I think it was. I think there are other and better dark horse candidates for what it's worth. Can I list some of them for you now? That's fine. Yeah, but no, I mean, he looked he looked good in Auckland. I mean, he, he ended up losing to Gasquet, who won it. He lost in three sets. Right. So, man. I will bet you a steak dinner if you if I win, you have to get me Chipotle steak. I'll get you like steakhouse dinner next time you're in Indy. If you win, you have to get me Chipotle. That JJ Wolf or Jordan Thompson beats Diego Schwartzman. That Diego Schwartzman does not get to round three. Is that a fair bet? Um that's essentially like three to one odds. Steakhouse versus Chipotle. <laughs> I mean, you're just really feeling anti Schwartzman, aren't you? I mean, do you want to take the bet? I'll take it. Yeah. No right. respect for the veteran. I'll take it. Give me Schwartzman. Right. Why not? 
All right, so you're if I win, you owe me Chipotle. If you win, I owe you steak dinner. I think JJ Wolf's a dark horse. I think he can win that match. I think his surface. This is all hypothetical, by the way, of course. But yes. Yeah. No. No. Betting's legal in Indiana. It's straight up. Um. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I suppose it's a gentleman's wager. It's we're buying each other dinner. Um. As I don't bet, I don't gamble. You shouldn't either. You know. Come on now. It's fair. It's a fair answer. A good answer, uh, coach. Um. Kokonakis. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think excited to see how he looks in the first round. But again, this is a guy who has all the weapons. He's going to have the crowd behind him. He's not going to be afraid of anybody, you know, in terms of getting outgunned. So you you play a match against Berrettini, and it's just the ball is going to be popping uh, if he gets through to that second round. So it, it's certainly a possibility, um, but he's not going to go into that the favorite. Even if he gets through Fonini, Berrettini is going to be a huge favorite. So Can Brooksby beat Casper? Yeah, he can. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'm not going to pick that uh, because I think Rude is going to be comfortable in the sense that Brooksby is just going to give him abilities to find rhythm over the course of a five set match. You know, even if Brooksby throws him off a little bit, grabs a set, makes him uncomfortable. It's just a really, really long match. And over time, Rude is going to wear him down. And I think Rude also has multiple ways to win this match. I think Rude can take more of a backseat approach and play defensively enough where Brooksby's not going to be able to hit through him. I think he can also do the reverse. And if Brooksby, you know, is just being too much of a backboard there, he's going to give him so many balls. Eventually, Rude will break through. He'll be able to open up the court with his forehand. I think Rube just has too many pathways to win the match. But, yeah, I mean, Brooksby's got a chance at it for sure. I mean, he's not going to get slapped off the court. Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting one. Can Tommy beat both of it, Fokina and Casper? Yeah, I mean, again, you were, use the word can. 100% it can. Will it happen? I don't know. I think, I think Rube has just looked. You think so? I'm going to take Tommy to get to the fourth round. I, I do. I think Tommy... Just has, the, I mean, again, he's played Casper so tight so many times, right? Five sets French Open, five sets, I think, U.S. Open as well. It's a matchup he knows um, two well-rounded athletes, two well-rounded guys. He'll have the matchup against Davidovich Fokina, who, again, there's a lot of Spider-Man meme, a lot of similarities between Tommy and ADF in terms of, yes, they can do everything, but putting it together and being consistent from start to finish. And I think that's who Tommy's been for six consecutive months. I think his forehand has a little extra pop now. And again, I'm taking Tommy to get to round number four. I think Americans have a really good section in this portion of the draw. I think JJ gets to round number three. I don't think Brooksby beats Casper, but I think he plays him very close. And then, you know, again, we haven't even talked about Taylor Fritz, who's the eighth seed in this section. And not to overskip some of the other dark horses, Berrettini, 13th seed, if he gets to quarterfinals, fourth round, technically that's exceeding uh, uh, quarterfinals, excuse me, expectations. But we know he's capable of that. RBA is freaking RBA. But when I look at my predictions here, Jamie, I'm taking taylor fritz to get to the semifinals i'm drinking the kool-aid for the first time and i have been hesitant but watching him move at united cup watching how when he gets his hands on the ball something magical always happens on his ground strokes i think i'm doubling i think i'm i'm retracting my prior statements like i think fritz might actually defend all the points he accumulated last year he might actually have another top 10 season in him I agree. Um, and, you know, certainly he's on the, a great path to that if he's able to succeed here. Um, 
again, you talk about having similar answers. Uh, I have Fritz to advance as well. Um, no, we and, have the same. We have the exact same quarter uh, semifinals and finals. I'm sure I can guarantee it now. But who's he beating in your mind? Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets tricky because that bottom half is pretty loaded. I- I'm going to stay. I'm going to give. I think there's. I think I'm going to give the respect that I feel is due. I'm going to give it to Casper Rude. I think Fritz plays against Casper Rude, has too many weapons, um, and ultimately just outguns Rude in that quarterfinal match. But I think it's. I think it's Fritz who advances. I think it's his quarter. We make the case for Fritz. Have you seen what I've seen, which is just, again, the movement has gotten so much better. He's still a bad volleyer, but when he gets his, I mean, his ability to get his hands outside the ball, drive the ball cross court, and not have any depth or pace compromised on that cross court drive, Jamie, it's special. Like, he might strike the ball better than anyone else. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, something interesting, too, that you talk about the movement, but, you know, it's, it's also, for me, what's going on with when he gets pushed to that outer third, it's no longer just a bailout shot. Um, and, you know, he has the ability to stay in these rallies. And I mean, again, with the movement being quick enough, he is getting set up. And when he goes for, when he goes for a big shot on the run, again, it just doesn't look like a bailout where I feel like it used to before. So I think he's, you know, I think he's in really good form right now. And outside of all of that, I mean, just the serve, um, you know, he has the ability to serve and hold serve easily. And that's something that in these tight matches, that's just so crucial. If you can land big first serves that consistently get you points, get you 30 love leads in these games, you know, so that you don't have to deal with the nerves of trying to grind some of these people down in the heat over five sets. I mean, that's just going to pay dividends match after match. So I agree with you. Um, and I, I hope it comes true because, you know, it's always great to see another American um, find success and, and do it so consistently. But yeah, I've, I've got Fritz advancing. Only four guys ranked top 20 in both hold and break percentage last year. Djokovic, Medvedev, top 10, Alcaraz, top 15. Fritz was top 20. Four guys. Fritz was one of them. When he gets his hands on a return, it's going in the court. And if he swings through the ball, he's now in control of the point. Like, you're right. He just does that much more when he's in the corners. And so, yeah, we agree on our semifinals and finals. And so I think we can end this show pretty quickly here with our predictions. Am I correct in assuming you have what I do? Medvedev over Felix, Djokovic in, uh, over Fritz, and then uh, Djokovic over Medvedev? I'm actually going to spice it up. Uh, oh, I'm going to go Felix. Let's go. I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna spice it up a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna go Felix to the final. Uh, Djokovic meeting him there. Djokovic wins his tenth. Okay, make the case real quick for Medvedev over Felix. Well, I, Felix, I'm taking Felix, me, over, Felix Medvedev. over Medvedev. I mean, we've seen it before. Um, I mean, Felix just has the ability to hit through. Um, and I think Medvedev will give him space. He will continue to give him space throughout an entire match. Um, he's going to be way behind the baseline. Felix, to win the match, he's going to have to be comfortable winning points different ways. He's going to have to come to the net. He's going to have to finish at the net. He's going to have to get Medvedev out of the rhythm. That goes for pretty much anybody who's playing an aggressive style and trying to beat Daniil Medvedev. But I think Felix has the ability to do it. I mean, we've talked about it for, at this point, years how big the ball comes off of Felix's racket, you know, especially on the serve and the forehand. And so he's got the weaponry to do it. And 
I don't know. I'd love to see it happen, so I'm just manifesting it here. So I'm going to yeah. go Felix over Medvedev. You're right. From a game plan perspective, given the jury is now out, you have to hit the big first serve. You have to hit the big first forehand. You have to be willing to move forward against Medvedev. Those are all the things Felix has done so successfully over the last three months. Yeah. For what it's worth, Medvedev 4 0 in his career against Felix. Djokovic 6 0 in his career against Fritz. I'm going with the undefeateds. Djokovic nine and four in his career against Medvedev. I don't. I just that Adelaide match is stuck in my head, so I'm going Djokovic over Medvedev. And I like again. Here's the thing. I feel like Djokovic is going to catch Nadal this time, and he's never going to let him by again. Like this could be the actual revenge tour year for Djokovic. This could be the final feather in the cap year where he wins this one, tied at twenty two. Again, these young guys. We'll see how healthy Alcaraz, Sinner. Runa, you know, Zverev of the worlds are heading into the French Open. But if Djokovic wins that one, you just feel like at that point everyone will be resigned. Like, I I am afraid for the state of the GOAT argument after this event. If Djokovic has the tournament, I feel like he might have. And by the way, and I talked to you on New Year's Eve. Shout out to Jamie for picking up the phone that late. Um, I got into a discussion with my cousin, and Djokovic at the time was plus 150. And I was like, dude mortgage i was like just do it like trust me like well if you need to hedge i'll tell you but you take it he's minus 110 right now to win the event like again right now ego's plus 240 i said this on the women's show if i could go back in time and tell 15 years ago me anything it'd be like dude just bet on Djokovic to win every major if you bet on Djokovic to win every major you will have success in life Iga's in that plus 240 zone, maybe for the last time in her life. Um, I'm like, bet on it, Alex. Don't be a fool. Or it's really, bet on it, my cousin. Don't be a fool. Like, you're never going to get these odds again. I feel like that's the same. Like, don't you have – not that you bet, Jamie, because that's not what you do. You act responsibly always. But Djokovic minus 110, even him favored against the field feels a little low right now. I don't know if I can say that. Um, I mean, he is, he is definitely the favorite. Again, saying mortgage, I feel like is pretty bold here. And I think if you start to go match by match, he does just look like the favorite in and out. Um, But God, I mean, you talk about, you talk about minus money before an event. I mean, that's just insane um, at this point. And, And I think, again, He's earned that. He's earned that sort of, I mean, he clearly has that pedigree. We know that. And again, we both just talked about why we think he can advance through this draw, why he can advance through this draw. I mean, there's so many different reasons. We've seen him do it countless times at this point. Um, I I don't know if I can say it it should be more aggressive though, because you're already in minus money before this large of an event that, you know, that's insane. That's just, that's just crazy talk. So, um, I mean, again, I think everybody, most people would be in agreement now that he would truly be, you know, that number one seed um, if we were just seeding based on how we felt. <laughs> but um, at this point, yeah, he's the favorite. He deserves to be the favorite. I don't know how much more. I mean, if I saw if I saw something that would be like Djokovic minus 200 to win, I, I would feel like that would be wrong. Um, but at the same time, I think he's the favorite. And I think most people think that way as well. Right, here's something crazy. Djokovic minus 110. Medvedev plus 550. Tsitsipas is third at plus 1400. Nadal fifth at 17 to 1. I can't believe Tsitsipas is that high. I, I can't believe Nadal's 17 to 1. And then it's like, it's funny. Felix, Sinner, and Runa are all tied for seventh at 20 to 1. 
Corda is twelfth at thirty five to one. Then things really fall off. They're like, nah, like they're like it's Djokovic or Medvedev. That's it's that's just it's match. just insane that I mean, again, he's minus money in a field of one twenty eight. Like Crazy. that's, <laughs> that's no, absurd. It's, it's why Novak Djokovic is who he is. Well, with all of that said, Jamie McDonald again to recap your semifinals. You have Felix beating Medvedev, Djokovic beating Fritz, then Djokovic knocking out FAA. I have Medvedev over Felix, Djokovic over Fritz, Djokovic over Medvedev. That's our look at the 2023 Australian Open men's singles draw. Any final thoughts before I let you go, my friend? Pretty consistent on the picks. We're going to look dumb if none of that comes oh through. Oh, my so. God, are we going to look dumb? I'm <laughs> terrified. We have six of the same players in our quarterfinals. I think our difference is I went Berrettini, you went Rude, I went Tsitsipas, you went Sinner. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. That's proof that we talk a lot about tennis, folks. But with all that said, how can we support Rockers? Give us the Give us the rundown. I just, uh, I look, I'm, I'm not here to promote that. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, you know, you know where to find us. Gruskin's already a fan in person showing up in Indy. Shout out to you. It's great to see you as always. But, um, now, man, I mean, Gruskin, just keep checking in with me. Bring me on whenever. Uh, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be, it's going to be real busy here, especially this next week as we get truly rolling. Um, but yeah, here we go. Another season. Excited for April and May already. Another freaking season i can't believe we are already what is this year is this your third year uh so i based on when i got hired there was a weird sort of vacancy at rockers for a little bit before i came in so technically this will be my third spring this is my third spring um but this is the first full year i've got returners uh so it's my second full season that's crazy i can't believe we're already at that point shout out to you man hey you're a coach you did it getting old Ain't that the truth. Um, No, that's awesome. Again, we will be rooting for you guys and uh, certainly looking forward to checking in with you more throughout the course of the season. And immensely grateful that before things get too busy for you, you took the time to join us here to preview the Australian Open men's singles draw. That said, again, if you're looking for some women's singles content, just scroll down on your Great Shot podcast feed. David Kane joined me to break down the women's singles draw in equal depth, of course, with the 2023 Australian Open right around the corner. We will be rocking and rolling here at Crack Rackets. We'll have daily podcasts recapping all the action, GSP Ace of the Day segments, offering picks, previews of the day's best matches. A shout-out in advance to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, enjoying the last day of his fantastic vacation before things get a little hectic here at cracked rackets with all of that said for the fantastic jamie mcdonald our super producer daniel westoff and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin jamie what do we tell our listeners hey great shot we will see you all next time thank you as always my friend